Hey there, just a quick note to say that I just got back from Las Vegas for the trip I took with the Pickleball Studio and Pickleball Effect. Guys, we had an absolute blast, but the podcast you're about to watch is from the prior week, so so there will be no news about Las Vegas on this podcast. Chris will probably release the podcast we shot two days ago in Las Vegas before I even get this one out, but just an FYI, I didn't want you all to think you'd be getting some news about Las Vegas in this podcast. That'll be coming soon. All right, well, welcome to a new episode of the John Q Podcast, where we cover all things related to pickleball gear and technology. I'm John, and I'm joined by my good friend, Eddie. Eddie, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Thanks, John. Number five. five. Yep, number 105 is what it feels like. <laughs> Getting good. I, I love it. I do love this. So it's, much fun. I have to. It's funny. I had have a little more time now, um, you know, to do pickleball content. So that's why we did the, started doing the podcast. And now I'm so kind of focused on the podcast. I'm still producing, you know, one review every, every month or so. So I've got to... It's all about balance. Well, we've been playing a lot more, too, which has been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun. We're lucky in that um, a lot of companies are sending paddles, and we get to test new paddles each week. And we've got a few we're going to cover this week, which I'm excited to talk about. But, yeah, Eddie, how was your week? Week is good. i got a very interesting weekend coming up, though. I'll be heading up to Rocky Mountain National Park, and I'm taking a mountaineering course. Oh, fantastic. So it's uh, about, you know, crevasse rescue. Um, you've seen guys with ice axes up in the mountains, so using those for self-arrest in case you should fall down a, you know, a steep incline, how to use those, use that pick to dig into the ice and snow to stop yourself. So a lot of, like, basic training on high-altitude mountains, which would be a ton of fun. What made you decide to do that? You know, I moved to Colorado three years ago, and I kind of wanted to, at the time, do all things Colorado, and mm-hmm. that's that's kind of one of them. I love the outdoors, hiking, mm-hmm. and this is just kind of an extension of that. You are so Colorado now. <laughs> <laughs> Going to Rocky Mountain National Park to learn mountaineering. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, well, my week, uh, it was Valentine's Day, so I took my wife, Michelle, out to Brasserie 1010. It's a French restaurant in, in uh, Boulder. We actually went on Friday because we knew that. Valentine's Day would have been a zoo, but that was very good. It's been closed since COVID. They shut down during COVID. We didn't know if they were going to reopen ever, but I'm very happy they did. It's my favorite French restaurant. You You went there there? for dinner or brunch? Dinner. Yeah. Very expensive, but, you know, once a year, it's nice. I was there not too long ago, and I had their burger and fries, Mm -hmm. and it was incredible. Their fries are Man, they're good. So good. Yeah. Get the steak and fries, too. Is that what you got? Uh, no, I got I got a steak, but it wasn't the uh, steak and fries, but it was like a steak and you know, vegetables. And But, uh, yeah, Michelle got like a seafood dish. Delicious. We got a bottle of wine. Nice. Good times. One not-so-fun part of my last week is that I went back to the podiatrist uh, for my foot and I uh, got another cortisone shot this time oh, in my left foot. In your foot? And that you sounds ever, awful. You ever have a cortisone, like a <laughs> shot in your foot? It's pretty brutal. But he does they, – they do put like some – they freeze it first. They put like this cold spray on your foot and that kind of numbs it. But he almost forgot to do that this time and I'm watching him and he's, the needle's like – three inches long and he's got it right next to my foot and you see him kind of pause for a second like am I forgetting something and I'm like 
<laughs> cold spray, cold spray. <laughs> He's like, oh, my God, I almost forgot. That would have been extreme, excruciating. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> thank you. For, so anyway. They don't do like a, a lidocaine or anything like that to, no, it's to just, numb it up? No, it's cold spray. It hurts. It still hurts. Like. He jabs it in there, and he's just you know twisting it around, getting between the bones oh. and stuff. It's it's nasty, but I, let me tell you, I'll take that acute pain any day over chronic low grade pain. You know, um, and the, the hope is I don't have to keep rec- have these recurring shots. That, yeah, it's similar to I had tennis elbow a year after I started pickleball, and it was chronic, 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 and then I ended up getting a cortisone shot, and I got two additional ones after that, once every three months or something, and then. It's been gone, knock on wood. So if I recall, one of your New Year's resolutions, John, was to be injury-free this year and practice more wellness. How's that going for you? So far, so good. Um, So there was the wellness part. There was the mental part. The mental part is harder for me in terms of staying consistent with the um, mindfulness meditation. But been in the gym, getting my strength back. You know, I never— lost too much of it, but I'm trying to find that balance, you know, between strength and, and I'm still doing the mobility exercises. So you know, a few people asked you about that last time. Uh, GMB fitness is, is what I use. I'll put a link to that down in the description box. But, um, yeah, it's, again, it's, it's kind of yoga mixed with, um, you know, acrobatic movements kind of, uh, but it's really good for sort of warming up even before you do a workout at the gym, strength training workout, it gets your joints loose and, and helps you prevent injuries. You know, we all need probably to loosen up a little more before we jump into a hard game of pickleball. You seem to be moving around pretty good today. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about that, but how, how about you? How are your New Year's resolutions coming? Uh, so far, so good. I've really been enjoying pickleball lately, putting a little less pressure on myself to be Mr. Perfect out there, not that I ever was, but um, just having that mindset of fun mm-hmm. and just enjoying the people that we're with. We played last night a little bit mm-hmm. um, in an advanced group, and you know, we won most, we lost some, but mm-hmm. it was all fun. I've noticed that, and you, you have turned a page. You know, you're, you're not as upset when you're when you're losing or you lose a point, and that's a, that's a big achievement. You know, we all kind of it sucks to lose no matter what. But you can either kind of obsess about it and get angry about it, or you can look at it as kind of just a learning experience. So I, I can certainly tell you've, you've changed your mentality. Oh, that's good to hear. Thanks, yeah. John. Should we jump into things? Let's jump into things. All We're right. going to try to stay shorter than the 90-minute marathon that we is keep it, is running it on possible? These. We'll see. Last week, we did cover the Dink Awards up to Wednesday, I think is when we recorded, and they, they published one more issue of the Dink Awards. We're not going to cover everything, I think, Pickleball Studio covered content creator and some other things. But there's some interesting categories in here that I kind of wanted to take a look at. So first of all, um, top YouTube content creator, uh, that that pickleball guy, that's a tongue twister, uh, Kyle Kazuda. Do you know him? I've not seen that one, no. You should watch some of his stuff because he has come – so far, like his videos are are on point. I mean, it's it's training videos. Like okay, how to how to get better at pickleball, basically. But he, he does so well, and he's get he gets a ton of views. I mean, hundreds of thousands of views on each video. Uh, so, and our good friends at the pickleball studio, number two, congratulations. And it goes Brionis, uh, all things pickleball, enhanced pickleball, Shay Underwood, um, David's pickleball, and pickleball journey. Uh, Shay. Uh, Good to see him on the list, and I know he's uh, trying new things. I forget his his new channel. You, you've followed Shay, haven't you? A little bit here and there, yeah. Okay. I remember 
watching Shay's videos back when I first started pickleball and he had the spin serve tutorials back when the chainsaw was legal and then the spin serve after that. Mm-hmm. So I followed him a lot. And I've actually met him last year in Phoenix. I was there for a PPA event, the JW uh, PPA event, and uh, met him. Really nice guy. We, we played doubles with uh, Chris and Will from the Pickleball Studio. Uh, that was good times. But It's an interesting list because there's uh, it's not all about one thing. You know, some mm-hmm. of these are equipment reviews, kind of like what we tend to focus on, a little mm-hmm. bit pro scene, uh, a little bit on uh, play strategy and mm-hmm. technique and those kinds of things. So it's, it's nice to see the diversity of topics that people cover. It's right. not all one thing. And then in terms of the best pickleball co- – co- in terms of the best pickleball podcast – uh, we've got Picklepod winning that one, which is funny because they are associated with a dink. Uh, King of the Court, Brionis, It Feels Right, Pickleball Studio, James Ignatowicz showing up there, uh, Tennis Sucks, Jilly B, and Sorry Not Sorry. Sorry Not Sorry. That's a great channel. <clears throat> a great I, lo- I channel. love watching his recaps of the, the bigger matches. A He's lot of good. fun. He's good, entertaining, has good entertaining commentary. So love that. He's He's on there. The John Q. Pickleball show does not show up on the list, but maybe, we, you know, there's exactly. a timing thing. Well, <clears throat> yeah. Next year. And we, we didn't even start our podcast until after everybody right. voted for this. So clearly we would have. Could have been a write-in based on the expectation of a great podcast, but <laughs> we'll take what we can get next year. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Let's skip over to the best on-court antics. So you've read this. So I can't quiz you on it, but Julian Arnold, Arnold won. You know, I used to he it used to drive me crazy. It, people are kind of in two camps about Julian, and originally I was like, this guy is way too aggressive, and and you know I was in the Colin John camp where I, I couldn't really stand to watch him. But last year again, when I went to Phoenix to, for that PPA event, I watched him play J.W. Johnson in singles. This was the semifinals, I think, and. There was a heckler in the crowd that hated Julian, and the heckler was yelling stuff at Julian, and it psyched Julian up so much. And each point he would turn, each point he won, he would turn and yell on Diamo to this guy in the crowd. He ended up beating J.W. Johnson just with that energy mm. from that he got from the crowd, which was negative energy for that one guy. But everybody was on Julian's side because this guy was being kind of cruel. But it made me realize that a lot of his antics are just internal. It's like self-motivating. Him, yeah, him psyching himself up. I do think that I would not like to be on the other side of the court if he's yelling and screaming and staring at you. You know, that's insulting, and, and Colin John certainly doesn't like that. So he's either. number one, mm-hmm. and the list uh, rounds out with Rafa Hewitt at number two, mm-hmm. Riley Newman number three. I think he's probably well-known for some of mm-hmm. his on-court uh, behavior. Mm-hmm. Lucy Kovalova. Federico Staxtrud and Jill Braverman. What I think is funny is this Fed even landed on this list, and you know it's from the one time he lost his lost his cool with Anna Lee Waters. Otherwise, he's he's total. You know him and him and the Johns brothers and Pablo. You know they have a rivalry, but you don't see him like yelling or acting inappropriate. It was just that that one moment he broke right, uh, and now he ends up on the. So what's your take? I mean, they, they called it on-court antics. What, what do you, what's your take on just the antics in general, all the, the chirping and mm-hmm. talking and mm-hmm. the finger-waving? Yeah. You okay with all that? I mean, I'm okay. I'm okay with it. I don't like it. I don't think it makes sense. Uh, there's a little bit of that goes a long way in my book. And, you know, I actually 
I really like the way the Johns brothers handled themselves on the court. Yeah. And I know they're not popular for that and they don't get a lot of attention for it. They, they let their playing speak, speak uh, to their talent. But I just, you know, I don't feel the need for it. I'm not that kind of person. I'm never going to be getting in somebody's face. And I don't like it when people do it to me either. It's just, I'm like, what is this? You know, WWE? <laughs> you know? I mean, trash talking can be fun between friends, but yeah. you're not friends with your opponents on the court. And I get it. Some people psych themselves up and, you know, I don't mind it so much, but I'm not a big fan. You? I, it drives me crazy. Um, frankly, the, the louder the person is, the less I like them. Yeah. And they may be great people off court. I don't know these people personally. Um, you know, I've heard great things about Julian Arnold off the court, but on the court, that stuff makes me nuts. And mm-hmm. it, I'll turn it off if he's on. Yeah. Because it, it, it to me, it's unprofessional. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah. And there are people that like it. I understand that too. Uh, but, oh, yeah. One more category I want to cover is sure. the pickleball rivalry of 2023. So that uh, biggest one is Matt Wright versus Riley Newman, which I think is. Big breakup there. Big breakup. And if you look at the beginning of the year when they were together, then this list would have been Ben Johns, the Johns brothers versus Riley and Matt because they had a big rivalry. But, you know, you get two alphas who split up and things are bound to go south, and they sure did. Yeah, and both of these could have wound up on the the top of the antics list as well. Mm-hmm. Riley Newman's already there. Matt Wright could have easily made the list, in my opinion. For sure. But to uh, see these guys personally going at it, I don't think it reflects well on either one of them. <laughs> you probably like number three, right? Because Colin Johns called Julian a clown, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> what I really like is number four the, uh, in the MLP, the Orlando Squeeze versus DC Pickleball. I do think that was a legitimate rivalry, the way they went back and forth throughout the mm-hmm. season. Yeah, no, I, that's a good point. I, I think there's room for that in MLP. There's room for the kind of bravado because it's more of a team sport and – you know, the trash talking, as long as it's within reason. And I have a pretty low tolerance for it. But I think it's more acceptable there than, than a tour like the PPA or APP. Yeah. I think of the five um, folks on this list of the pickleball rivalries, that's the one that sticks out to me as a, a genuine competitive team-oriented rivalry, whereas the others are just who's talking the loudest and chirping the loudest. Yeah, exactly. Good. Yep. Should we move on? You got it. Look at us staying on, on time. <laughs> <laughs> Might finish early and grab some dinner now. <laughs> All right. Uh, not much gear gossip to cover this week, although Dale watched our podcast last week and contacted me and said, hey, saw that you're interested in the new weighted infinities. Would you like to try them? Uh, and he's going to send me the prototypes. And, yeah, so we'll get a chance to hit those pretty soon. So he's sending the Black Diamond and the Double Black Diamond Infinity. And, again, uh, if you didn't see last week's episode, he increased the twist weight of the Infinity paddles, which are edgeless, to 6.7 to 6.8. In that range, that's a full point up. So the original ones were 5.7, 5.8. And the swing weight stayed almost constant, almost the same. So it, it – Got a bump of like one or two points up to 110, 111. So, yeah, I'm excited to, to test those and, and see. I think, I think the added twist weight is going to add some stability and probably more power. That is exciting. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. And then you and I just got back from the courts and we hit several paddles. Uh, we've been also playing with paddles over the course of the week since our last podcast. So why don't we jump into that segment? I want to talk about this new company, Chorus. 
so I met the owner at Nationals in Dallas. Really nice guy, and he gave me a prototype at that time, and I never really got around to hitting it. But he sent he now has these up for sale, and he sent me both production models. So we have the Chorus Shapeshifter, which you can see is an 18K carbon fiber. So those that cube look is from the really wide carbon fiber weaves. And then the Chorus Echo, which is a basic raw carbon fiber paddle, and it has kind of this elongated shape with a slightly shorter handle. And the Shapeshifter is basically the 6-0 double black diamond shape. Mm-hmm. Uh, both of these are 16 millimeters, and both are thermoformed. Yeah, Eddie, what are your thoughts on both of these? Yeah, so before we started hitting with those, John, I really thought that this Shapeshifter was going to be um, very control-oriented, a little bit on the soft side. Mm-hmm. And it is very control-oriented. It's a great control paddle, but there's power there to be had. Mm-hmm. Um, I would definitely put this in the, the all-court, all-around all paddle. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I felt like there was a lot of forgiveness with this paddle. The Echo, I thought, was going to be a little bit more powerful. Mm-hmm. And for me, it wasn't. It, was, it actually played softer for me than the shapeshifter. Right. Uh, the sweet spot on that one, a little bit, I mean, as, as you can probably see from just the shape of it, the, the sweet spot felt like it was long and not very wide. And um, I just couldn't rein this one in as far as control goes. Yeah, you were struggling with that one, and you're playing great with the shapeshifter. Uh, I felt like I could do just about anything with this shapeshifter. Mm-hmm. Uh, thirds, dinks, mm-hmm. the power when I needed it was... It's pretty much always there. Yeah, I mean, in a, in a nutshell, what I felt on both of these is very soft for thermoform paddles, very skewed toward the control side of the spectrum. But I really enjoyed playing with the shapeshifter. You know, it's, it's the it's the shape that I that I use in the ruby. It even has the slight flare towards the top. Uh, the 18k carbon fiber gets great spin. It's it's peel ply like all the other raw carbon fibers. I don't know if the 18K has anything to do with it, but I can't recall my the exact numbers, but I know it's over 2,000 RPM when I tested it. And like you said, there's there's decent power, and, and I felt like my thirds rarely get better than when I was hitting yeah. third shot drops. Very this. predictable. <clears throat> yeah, I felt very comfortable with the control game. So, yeah, these two paddles... This one, too, I, I, this is not my shape. I think this is a good paddle, but I didn't like it just because the shape doesn't suit me. Uh, so this kind of long face you get here and a shorter handle. I do like elongated paddles, but I like elongated paddles when the handle is long, too, not just the face. So, you know, I could play with this okay, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't choose this over the shapeshifter. But I, I could use like this. I felt like I hit just about everything either in the net or out with that and nothing <laughs> in between. And this paddle was everything else. Yeah. It, was, it was perfect. I had a much easier time dialing, dialing this one in. I could take this to a tournament tomorrow and play with it. Agree. No problem. Agree. I just put an overgrip on it because uh-huh. that one's a little slippery. But I think this one in particular, the shapeshifter, really hits a good balance in the hybrid thermoformed paddle category because it is – skewed toward the control side of the spectrum but still has power so a lot of and the pop is more muted for this yes a lot of these hybrid shaped paddles are more skewed toward the pop side of the pop power spectrum and actually now that i think about it i would put this 
in line very much with the bread and butter loco. So it's the same shape. Both are very soft. I wonder if they're made in the same factory. Mm. <laughs> Maybe. But, yeah, it hits really similar to the Loco. And I, I enjoyed the Loco. You can look at my review. Uh, highly recommended paddle. So so this. I Any feel, idea what the cost will be on that one? Uh, let me look. It is $190 retail. And I do have a code, John Q. Uh, so you can get 10% off these. I think it's 10%. Both of these. So it's it's in line with the same price as the bread and butter paddles and rhombus. I think it's ten dollars more expensive. I think theirs are one hundred eighty. This is one hundred ninety. So you you're about my age, right, John? Mm-hmm. So you grew up in the the golden age of video games. Uh-huh. Do you remember that game, Cubert? Cubert, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what the face of these eighteen K paddles look like. Yeah, so if you don't know, Cubert's a an old video game where mm-hmm. this little guy kind of jumped up around on, on this pyramid thing, and mm-hmm. the little steps of the pyramid were shaped exactly like these. Yeah, yeah, eighteen K so surfaces. M- Minecraft for the current generation. Cubert, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we also hit. We also hit again with the Thrive paddles, and uh, your favorite from a couple weeks ago was the Azul paddle which is the kevlar yeah a lot of fun this mm-hmm. paddle yeah again it's not like the ruby at all uh it's got a much uh, denser feel to it mm-hmm. um i would say not quite as plush as the ruby but a solid offering mm-hmm. there's a bit of a dead spot for me in the, in kind of the top one fourth of the paddle but mm-hmm. um for the most part the control is is solid on this one as well and since it's exactly the same shape as the 60 year old double black diamond and the um, the chorus shape shifter, so it was good to play back and forth with both of those today. The shape shifter is definitely more control oriented to me than this Azul. Uh, the Azul has more pop. But yeah, so to me, the Azul doesn't play like any other Kevlar paddle. Like you said, the, the face of it doesn't feel as plush. Yeah, so still a good paddle, still a fun paddle. And I look forward to going to the Thrive headquarters in Las Vegas this weekend. Uh, and I'm sure that he will have this and many other paddles for us to try and different weights. And one thing I forgot to mention when we were talking about the Thrive paddles last time is that not only do they pay attention to swing weight, twist weight, uh, balance point, but they also make each of these models in different swing weights. Right. So you can order like a heavier one, a lighter one, and, and several in between. So, John, I, I was looking at some of the comments from our video last week, and one of our uh, audience members wanted to know the difference between the Thrive and the Ruby uh, and the Apes Paddle mm-hmm. because they're all, you could say they're similarly constructed. I'm, there's actually differences between them. But mm-hmm. how would you describe the differences between those three paddles? Oh, a good question. Uh, well, the I would say of the three, the Apes is the most plush, so the softest feeling, followed by the Ruby and followed by the Azul. Now, in terms of construction, construction, all three are thermoformed. I think I have a Ruby behind the groove in there. All three are thermoformed. The Ruby and the Azul are both hybrid. And when we say hybrid, we don't just mean that that convex top, but also the to- overall length of the paddle is below 16.5. 
So it's not – it falls in between shorter paddles, square paddles at 16 inches, and the elongated paddles at 16.5. So the classic hybrid shape is the 6.0 double black diamond, which comes in at 16.3 inches in length, overall length. And the Apes, I think, is 17 inches, so quite a, a very hyper-elongated paddle. This yeah. is more the standard shape. Okay, good point. And the uh, hey, Apes Pro Line and Energy S is their alternative. It's not as elongated as their original – Proline Energy, but it's still considered an elongated paddle because it's the same shape as the Rhombus R1 Nova and Pulsar and the Volair Mach 1 Forza. So it's 16.5 inches long, which puts it in that elongated category. So Apes plushest. Apes plushest, the original. I would say that this Proline Energy S is about the same in terms of plushness as the Ruby. Less plush, more stiff than the original Proline Energy S. And then the Thrive Azul, I would put as the stiffest. And to me, it feels a lot like rock carbon fiber. Now, the Thrive Azul and the Apes models both use a hybrid cloth, 3K cloth of, rock car- of carbon fiber and Kevlar. And they cover that with a peel ply raw texture versus the Ruby, which is 100% Kevlar cloth. We might as well talk about the Katana, too. Komodo is another company that uses a Kevlar surface, and they just sent me that paddle a few weeks ago. Uh, we hit with it today. I I couldn't tell from their website if they're using a 100% Kevlar cloth. You can see it's 3K cloth underneath the peel ply, but I'm not sure if it's a hybrid of carbon fiber and Kevlar or 100% Kevlar. But... So if we throw that into the mix, so all of them are thermoformed except the Komodo Katana, which is a Gen 1 paddle. Yep, this grip. Yeah, you can feel the Super exposed soft. polymer yep. in the grip. And there's presumably, I haven't cut it open or asked the owner, but there's no, there's no way it's thermoformed, at least entirely, because you, you wouldn't be able to feel the polypropylene core in the grip if it was. But I, I have a feeling there's also no edge foam. It's, just, it's an edge Gen 1 paddle. Anyway, to, in a nutshell, the... The Ruby um, has good power, uh, good control, less pop compared to the Apes Proline Energy S, which is the one with the convex top. I would say that the Proline Energy S has more pop, similar power, a little uh, less easy, more difficult to control given the extra pop. So if you're into aggressive kitchen play, I would veer toward the Apes Pro Line Energy S. If you're into more control and good power, I would veer toward the, the Ruby. And then the Thrive, I would put in that Apes Pro Line Energy, Energy S category where it's poppier and you can play more aggressively at the kitchen. Maybe not as good control as the Ruby, but the control is there too. I would put that in more controllable, I think, than the Apes Pro Line Energy S. Uh, and then the katana is all control. Uh, you know, this is you know, if you if to me this reminds me of like a raw carbon fiber paddle two years ago. Yeah, it's a Gen One raw carbon fiber paddle. Great synopsis, John. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. Do you have any Do you have any more to add to that? Um, nothing to add, but I'm I'm just curious to hear from you. Like, if you had to pick one of the four to to play with today in a competitive situation. I'm guessing you're going to go with the Ruby since yeah. that's been your go-to for a while. Yeah. I would probably pick the same of the four. Would you? Yeah, with a Thrive and a close second. You know, the the original Proline Energy was my go-to paddle for, I think, like four to six months. 
but did nothing wrong with that paddle. It's a great paddle. Mm-hmm. In fact, you know, our good friend Alex still plays with that paddle. He's been playing with it longer than than I have at, at this point. Um, so, you know, he he got turned on to it from me having it, and he's played with it ever since. Plays great. I know a lot of people that play in love with that original one. Uh, but but at this point, since I switched over to hybrid, I don't think I could go back. I wouldn't want to go back to a hyper elongated one right now because I'm dialed into this hybrid shape. So yeah, t- for me, it's Ruby all day right now. Yeah, and I agree. If I if I had to pick one of the other hybrid options, it would be the Azul. I will say I I also used the the Apes paddle, the elongated version, for probably three to four months, mm-hmm. uh, and during that time, I saw no degradation in performance. Uh, That's right, and and I guess the word is still out on the the ruby since it is so new. But uh, in terms of durability, uh, the apes was uh, beyond my expectations. I forgot you played with that for mm-hmm. how long? Uh, about three to four months. Okay, wow, good long time for yeah. me. All right, moving on. Let's talk about this mayhem pedal behind you. I just got this in today. The owner reached out to me a couple weeks ago, uh, sent me this paddle, and let me tell you. I've never felt such a gritty paddle in my life. <laughs> this thing is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's USAP approved. The specs on this, geez, I haven't even looked. It feels like an elongated 16.5 I would in, say so. inch long. The handle's on the short side for an elongated paddle. So yeah. it's definitely more surface area to the More, to more the surface base. area. Yep. Almost the same shape as the Chorus Echo mm-hmm. that, that we were discussing. So again, not my favorite shape. A lot of people do love that shape, though. Uh, and it's... It has a Aramid Kevlar core. So the difference between this and all the other Kevlar stuff we've been talking about is all the others have Kevlar facing. This one has a core. When, this has been around for a long time. There's no new technology. A bunch of uh, paddles have used Kevlar. So it's it's much stiffer than polypropylene. You're going to get that pingy yeah. sound, more pop, more power. But holy cow, like seriously, the grit on this paddle. <clears throat> it says it's USAP approved. I don't know. Maybe they found a new way to do peel fly, <laughs> but both of us were ripping top spins like I've never seen it a ball insane. move before. I mean, mayhem is probably an apt description of what that <laughs> paddle is because it's just ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. The dips on balls is insane. Nuts. You were hitting them at me when I was in midcourt. There was no way to defend trying to come to the kitchen because you would rip a top spin and it would dip so hard. I'm either like. You know, bending down, digging it out of the ground. Or if I waited for it to bounce, it's bouncing up to like my face levels. I'm basically (laughs) defending. And when you were hitting balls, uh, I was letting balls go because I thought they were going to be two, three feet out of bounds and Uh they would just at the end and and either hit the line or be in. Yeah, same. I'd I'd hit balls that I thought were going to go a few feet out and they would would hit the baseline. So who knows if if this is an anomaly from the factory and it just happens to be three times out of spec. I've never felt anything so gritty. Or maybe they found a, a new way to do peel ply. That uh, There is. I, it probably doesn't pick up on camera, but there is so much ball dust on that battle face. There's like I, half a ball I think of dust on the face. I think we sheared like three millimeters off the surface of the paddle, <laughs> at the surface of the ball. It's uh, a lot of fun, though. Uh, and speaking of balls, <clears throat> we played again with the Gamma Chuck all day, the same ball that we played with a couple is weeks it, was ago. Was it really the same one? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And we put we put in a few hours of play with it now, and it's I haven't seen it go, go out of round yet. There's certainly no cracking. Mm-hmm. It's playing great. It's I don't even know if it's I can't say that it's even softened up much. 
Well, we've been indoors um, almost exclusively with uh-huh. that ball, so that's we haven't been able to test it in cold weather or hot weather. That's and, true. But um, but frankly, we've played with other balls in indoor conditions, and they have not <coughs> held up. So this is at least for our sample size on one. Yep, pretty good. Kudos to the Chuck. I enjoy the Chuck. Okay, uh, let's talk briefly about the move-in, the Groovin move-in, 16x. It's yeah, propped in here. I brought that out too because it's the same shape as this Mayhem, as well as the Chorus Echo. Uh, and again, not my favorite shape, not Eddie's favorite shape. No. But I just kind of wanted to briefly compare it to, particularly the, the Chorus Echo. What are your thoughts on it, Eddie? For me, this paddle was much more predictable than the chorus. Mm-hmm. Um, I could, I was pretty well dialed in after a, a few hits with it. I knew mm-hmm. where the ball was going. Uh, it swings very heavy. I don't know what the swing weight is on this, but uh, it feels very heavy. That's generating a lot of power. Mm-hmm. But uh, hand speed was definitely down a little bit for me with this one. Gotcha. How about you? Yeah, I adapted to the Echo better than you. You know, you were playing great. There was a big noticeable difference between the way you played with the Shapeshifter versus the Echo. And for me, you know, there's a little less of a gap between those two. I didn't prefer this one as much. And I do, yeah, I, I think that for some reason, the Groovin just feels a little more familiar in my hands. I'm not sure what was going on with this, but but I also felt the same effect where I'm hitting it either slightly too high or slightly too low. Yeah. It was hard to get right where I wanted it to go. And that one felt easier to me. I play with a Vatic a lot, the mm-hmm. Vatic Pro Flash. Yeah. And uh, if I were to close my eyes and play with that one or this one, they, I, I would have a hard time distinguishing them. The feel, the solidity of those two paddles is very similar. Yeah, it's a good control paddle. Mm-hmm. And not too bad on controls on power, especially with that added swing weight. Yep. Groovin's got a whole lot going on, don't they? They got a lot going on. I probably have 20 Groovin paddles. <laughs> <laughs> hanging on the walls and in storage. 13S, 16S. This is the, what is this called, John? Don't ask me. Shout out to Kevin, the owner of Groovin. 16X is what this one is. And he is so patient with me because I've got, I've done reviews of some of his paddles. And I, so I, in my year in best of 2023 video, I included the Groovin Movin 13S, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And in the video I showed of the paddle rotating, it was not the 13S. No. <laughs> I accidentally put in another grooving paddle in there. I think it was a 16S. And he caught it immediately. And, and I was like, God. And then he's, he's, I'm always getting it wrong when I'm emailing Kevin in terms of the model names. And he's explained it to me like 10 times. For some reason, I have a short circuit in my brain for the Groovin, and there's just so many of them, so many of them. But I, you know, I I like it that they're using sixteen thirteen for the thickness. But in terms of the shape, for some reason, I can't figure it out. They they even stand for things. I think the the H stands for something, and I can't remember. Hybrid, maybe, maybe that would make sense. I don't know what the X stands for, or the S is standard, probably. Anyway, <laughs> I, I need to sit down and study this. So speaking of Groovin, I have a, a challenge for you for a future episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is kind of the um, the difference between weight, uh, a lightweight paddle versus a heavyweight one, a power-oriented one versus uh, a very maneuverable one. Mm-hmm. So I think in a future play session, we'll put the groove in 13S, which is a very sort of light swing weight, low swing weight, easy swinging paddle uh, against something like the Gearbox Power Pro. We weight that up to um, whatever. 9.5. Uh, yeah, 130 
swing weight, mm-hmm. something in there, have it feel like a hammer. I love it. And just see who wins in the battle of uh, force equals mass times acceleration. Is it the mass <laughs> or the acceleration that that comes out on top? What do you think? This is a great idea. And yeah, you mentioned to me before, and I'm, I'm all for it. You know what I, I kind of predict is going to happen? Have you ever become used to a heavier paddle, a he- paddle with heavier swing weight, and then you try a paddle that's super lightweight, and you—it's just like you're a god on the court in terms of hand speed. Right. <laughs> you know, there's you, nobody can body bag you, and you're just like, holy cow! I, I, swing, swing, swing. Yeah, I totally see the benefits of a lightweight paddle. And then within a week, you're playing the same with the lightweight paddle as you were with the heavy paddle. So you kind of get used to whatever you're playing with. But I have a feeling what's going to happen is when we're comparing head to head, heavy swing weights, light swing weights. The light swing weights are going to be enormously popular with us because we're going to feel the different effects and we're going to feel like our hands are are super normal. So you think in our head-to-head battle, the Groovin 13S is going to come out on top? Well, there's trade-offs too, right? Yeah. Although the Groovin 13S is much more powerful than you think it's going to be. And Mm -hmm. it sneaks up on people. It's so poppy that people are like, what is that toy-looking paddle hitting so hard? How is this happening? So... Yeah, it's, it's going to be a good experiment. Well, let's try it out. Yeah. If not with those two paddles and similarly specced paddles. There we go. And we'll have a question for you, though. Yes. Are, are we going to – one person has the lightweight, the other person has the heavyweight. Are we going to mix it up? I think we, we swap. So we'll each play however many games with one paddle, switch it up, add up some points, and see how it looks. Right, but at like during the same game, are we each playing with a heavyweight paddle? Or are we going to have one person oh, heavyweight, one person lightweight? Oh, I see lightweight? what you're saying. I think we go um, opposite ends of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. So one of us plays with heavy, the other light. I like it. And then we'll switch that way. Yeah. I think that's going to get some cool results. Yeah, look right. forward to that. It's on! <laughs> I shut on you! Okay. Nothing really in terms of the deep dive this week. I, I did talk with Chris and Braden. So Braden was the first Good to, Lord, how much do you talk to these people? Yeah, they're, we're, we're like siblings. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, I talked with Will this morning, oh, bright and early this morning. We had a, a, a Zoom call. But Braden was the first to go with this really high-tech radar gun that also calculates spin, RPM. That and, is crazy cool. Yeah, and he got the Stalker Pro, actually Model 2, and um, and... He didn't realize that the Model 3 was coming out. Chris bought the Model 3 recently. These things are expensive. They're $3,000 for the, the Model 3. And I was hoping, I was so hoping that Chris would come back and say, man, this thing is horrible. Yeah. The spin is off. But he went out and, and tested Stalker Pro 3S, compared it to his frame rate method of calculating RPM. And they were within 40 RPM, 40 RPM of each other. So... This one is highly accurate, and, and who knows if it's it's probably more accurate than the frame rate method, if you know if we had to guess. So yeah, shoot, I have to buy, had to spend three thousand bucks on a new piece of equipment. Maybe sell a couple of your grooving paddles that you have so many of. <laughs> no, I, I won't do that. I won't do that. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, no, that's cool tech. It's very cool tech, and it'll be good for us the three of us at least, and maybe more paddle reviewers to be using the same machine. Because we're using the same methodology right now, and we certainly have comparable results, but we're using different cameras sometimes, sometimes different frame rates, and that's going to lead to more error within 
within our data. So it's going to be good to standardize it a bit. So that'll help with your power calculations as well as your spin calculations. What about pop? Same with pop. I, I measure pop by d- dropping a ball and hitting it with a punch volley. And I can measure that also with the stalker. And, you know, honestly, it's going to save a lot of time in the long run. Yeah. So by the end of the year, it's going to save me much more time than I will be paying for yeah. it, you know. But it'll be fun also to – the way I do it now is that I measure spin, but I don't turn on the radar gun while I'm measuring spin. I'm just using the camera while I'm doing spin serves. And then I turn on the radar gun and I hit power serves. So it'll be fun to, to measure the miles per hour of spin serves. They're not going to be as fast as my power serves, but it's going to give me just more data and, and it's going to save me time as well. I wonder if there's uh, technology in this, uh, this stalker gun that allows you to calculate the rebound velocity of a ball. So you, get, you have the velocity coming into a paddle. Mm-hmm. It's capturing that, obviously. Yeah. But once it hits the paddle and comes back, if it, it can pick up that difference. I'm pretty sure I read that it does measure exit, velo- exit velocity. So it does measure both of those. I'll have to, to read more about it. But good point, and it's something that we could – develop another metric for pop right. on. You know, I could have you feed me dinks or even slight speed ups and I could do counterattacks and measure how fast those are. And it's, there's going to be a little more variability with those because you you can't hit it exactly the same speed every time So versus dropping it, which is starting from zero. But I still think that's going to be a useful metric because, again, that's another facet of pop and they're going to be slightly different. It's going to be slightly different starting from a stationary ball versus a ball with some sure. velocity. And I think it's going to kind of fill in that gap between the power and pop metrics that I'm currently using, you know, because there's, there's going to be some velocity and, and the ball is coming off faster. I would say probably in the high 30s, low 40s mile per hour if, if we're doing counterattacks. Mm-hmm. Well, that'll be a fun toy to play with for sure. Yeah. And I did not – I forgot to grab the tungsten tape, but – Shout out to, to Brayden from Pickleball Effect. I was going to talk about your your tungsten tape. Uh, it's very sharp looking. And another good thing about Brayden's tungsten tape is that it's reusable. You ever try to take lead tape off oh, a paddle yeah, it's and done. use it? Yeah, it's totally done. Like the, and the, uh, the sticky stuff comes off of it and it gets all dented. But the, yeah, the tungsten tape comes off very easily and re- oh. reapplies to other paddles very easy. That's that would be great because the um, the only other tungsten tape I've ever used is from Selkirk, mm-hmm. and once that's on, it's on and it stays on. But mm-hmm. once it's off, you're never getting it back on to anything else. Another benefit of Braden's tungsten tape, I'd say, over Selkirk's is Selkirk's is so thin and so lightweight. And you've got to you know you've got to stack them up on each other and kind of put them side by side. You you, you know if if you only want to add two grams of weight to your paddle, then the Selkirk is fine. But most people want to add more on the order of half an ounce or more. So uh, Braden's would be better for that. I want to um, talk about something else. And it, it, it happened today, and it's happened many times. Uh, we were at Lifetime Fitness today working out, and we got to talking about paddles with uh, someone else who was hanging out there today. And she asked, well, what paddle do you recommend? And it's such a simple question, but mm-hmm. the answer is always crazy loaded, right? So what – what goes through your head? What's, what's your calculus that you are thinking about when you try and respond to a question like that? Mm, yeah, yeah, good question. 
And the first thing that goes through my head is, wow, there's no way for me to tell them one paddle, particularly if I don't know them, right? Because it depends on your play style. It depends on your body mechanics. It depends on your strength and all kinds of things. So there are so many things to think about in a paddle. And it depends on what you're coming from, too. Even if a person plays a control game, but they're coming from a Selkirk Power Air, I wouldn't necessarily ask them to, to go to a heavily control-oriented paddle because they're not going to like it right away. If they're dialed into a very poppy paddle, then they're not going to like going to a very plush paddle or one with more muted pop and more power. So, uh, yeah, the, the first thing I ask him is, well, okay, what's your, your play style? And okay. then if it's control-oriented, then I give him some control-oriented control oriented options, but also I ask him what paddle they're currently playing with. And then, you know, if if you have some dude that's 6'4 and 220 pounds all muscle, then that's going to play into it. It could go either way. Either you give him a paddle that enhances yeah, the power really game. Do they need more power? But exactly. As somebody that can bench press 400 pounds, right. actually going to need a power paddle. Or do you give them like the Lux that, you know, hits much, hits like a pillow, but they still can hit rockets off of it. That's kind of the Jack Sock approach, right? Exactly. Yeah. He's got such a wicked forehand, he still hits ridiculous right. forehands with a Lux, which is hilarious. I think that question of, like, what are you using now, and then what do you like about what you're using now, and what do you not like about it, and then t- kind of taking the conversation from there. I think that's a good approach. And just knowing what paddle they use, and let's say they let's say, they say okay, I, I play with a Pro Kinex Black Ace. Well, then you know, okay, they are used to a thin paddle, they're used to one with probably low swing weight unless they have it leaded up. And, you know, then you can go from there and and try to ease them into categories that would suit their game better without taking, you know, a deep plunge into a paddle that's completely different. Yep. How would you go about – how do you answer the question? I'm sure you get the the same question. Uh, I I think that's a great way to start, and I've done that before. It's just, um, you know, tell me where you are now. Mm -hmm. And tell me where you want to be, and maybe we can figure something out. But knowing what people have already become accustomed to is extremely helpful data mm-hmm. in coming up with that recommendation. But it, it just seems so innocuous. So what's the best paddle out there? Well, there isn't really a best paddle out there. Right, right. right. They're very popular paddles, but not necessarily a good fit for everybody. Yeah. Do you think there'll ever be a perfect paddle? <laughs> <laughs> well, for one player, yes. But for everybody, no. I've heard the idea thrown around that maybe all the pros should play with one paddle. I think, first of all, it's, it's a fun thought experiment, right. but it's ridiculous. Why, why would you want to limit everybody that much? And then which paddle would you use? Would it be a real basic Gen 1 paddle, a wooden paddle, something that would, the purists <laughs> would really love? I, don't, I think that's really silly. But, yeah, again, it depends on the person. There's never one perfect paddle for everybody. Can you imagine the feedback from pros if they all had to play the same thing? <laughs> I can't even get to a, one ball that works for everybody. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> or that works, period. Yeah, and it would be so boring, right, to see everybody playing with the exact same paddle. Yeah. If there yeah. was one paddle option, well, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have a YouTube channel. <laughs> well, let's move on. Last week in our podcast, we talked a little bit about spin degradation Mm-hmm. over time mm-hmm. uh, among a handful of, of paddles. Um, and I thought some of your analysis, analysis was really good. Um, Lynn, in the comments, said, great podcast. 
On RPM loss, I think it would be most telling if you showed percent spin loss during your spin loss analysis. If you do it that way, it really shows how good the Ruby and ProPower really are. So what do you think about that percentage um, analysis versus the, the actual RPM loss? Yeah, I think I even replied to that excellent comment. I think that's a really much better way to look at it than simply looking at the, the raw number of a spin loss. You know, and I mentioned last time that, that it's really important where you start also. If you're starting at 2,300 RPM and you're losing 300, then you're still within the top tier category versus starting at 1,700, dropping that same, and then your paddle is way different. So that percentage kind of gets to that, that yep. same idea, concept. So I actually updated the spreadsheet, and I'll put that up and, and post also. But it does kind of change what's going on. It's, it provides a, a more accurate accounting of, of what the spin loss looks like. So, yeah, the comment was dead on. So the Gearbox Pro Power lost 11% of its spin. The Ruby lost 15%. Pro Kinex Black Ace, 17%. Apes, 19%. Yola Hyperion, 23%. So yeah, it does using the percentage method, method reorients things, and that shows that Ruby is actually doing really well, close to the Gearbox Pro Power in terms of spin loss. That's good analysis. And to be clear, that's you testing on pretty much day one, mm-hmm. yeah. out of the box, and then three months yeah. later. Yeah, exactly. And so, what is three months? I mean, I mean, is it eight to ten hours a week for three months? Because you could have a paddle sitting on a shelf for three months; it's not going to degrade. Right. So for me, uh, I averaged, yeah, 8 to 12 hours per week of play with the Ruby. Okay. What about those other paddles? Same. Okay. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's not going to be exact, but same player. Oh, except for yours, your, your Pro Kinex, no, sorry, your Gearbox Pro Power. Uh, that was you. So mm-hmm. I, I, I tested it before and after your three months of play. So what's your estimate on your play time? Probably about the same, maybe a little bit more than the 100 to 120 hours that's that you're averaging Okay. because that was my primary paddle and I wasn't doing a lot of paddle testing at the yeah. time. So yeah, exactly. figure for that one about maybe 160 to 180 hours. Yeah, and you rip balls hard with a lot of top spin. So that's impressive for the pro power. I still, want to, I still need to test Paula's paddle. I think Chris might test his also because he said he played with his Gearbox Pro Power for three months also. So that's a good point of comparison. Okay. Well, it'll be interesting to see your table as it gets updated over time. And thanks for the question, Lynn. Good stuff. Yeah, thank you. Okay, any other questions? I think that's it for the week. Yeah, I think we actually came in maybe under an hour this time. Holy smokes. Yes. And uh, like I said, I'll be in Las Vegas over the weekend through Monday. We And you'll be out of town starting Wednesday, so we'll try to record a podcast on Tuesday of next week. Uh, there will be some content, obviously, coming out from the Las Vegas trip. Well, hopefully I don't fall into a crevasse this weekend and I'm lost forever. Exactly. <laughs> Enjoy your trip <laughs> to the Rocky Mountain National Park. Yep. Which part of the park is that in? I'm not sure. We meet in a central location. I guess we'll uh, either hike or shuttle and hike uh-huh. to uh, the final destination because they want to get us into a place that's got some elevation. My guess is we'll be at around... I don't know, 12,000 feet or so. Nice. Get to some good snowpack and see how things go. At some point, remind me to tell you the story of my archaeological project I had for the park up at Lawn Lake. We camped up there and did some cool stuff. All right. That's all I got. Sounds great. A lot of fun, John. Thank you. Yeah. Take care. All right.